Hello and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. And you are listening to the Monday Morning Minute. This week in fictional news, a new Star Wars book titled Star Wars, The Princess and the Scoundrel by author Beth Revis is arriving this summer. Set just after the events of Return of the Jedi, this book kicks off just after Princess Leia and Han Solo get married. That's really sweet. That is really sweet. What a good idea. We're probably pretty hungry for a nice happy marriage tale. And I'm about to start getting into some Star Wars books myself. I just got the whole Thrawn trilogy by Timothy Zahn. I was going to ask you, have you ever read a Star Wars book before? Yeah, I've read one, and it was when I was like 12. It was the, it was the Boba Fett origins story. But it was kind of oh, okay. cool because it took place on that, that desert planet in, from uh, Attack of the Clones when... All that stuff is going down when um, Padme and Anakin and Obi-Wan Kenobi are like all tied to those poles in that big arena thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of like that scene from young Boba Fett's perspective. It's a cool book, but yeah, I've never read any Timothy Zahn, and apparently those ones are the best. I'm like, with Star Wars, for me personally, it's like I'm a big enough fan that when something cool comes out, I'm really excited about it, but I'm not a big enough fan to get upset if it's bad. Yep. Which I feel like is right where you want to be. I agree. Yeah, because I'm not like emotionally invested enough that I walk out of there like my day is ruined. Whereas like I definitely have some friends who they'll be complaining about it for the next month. It's a really big deal. I totally get it. Yeah, I'll like hang out with them a week later and they'll start complaining about it again. I'm like, wow, we're still huh, still on that, huh? <laughs> and it's like when uh, when the Hobbit movies came out, I was just like, wow, we really missed that one, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, I guess Damn. I haven't been complaining about that for like two years. Yeah, I was like pretty upset. <laughs> Me too. I think my friends, when we got out of that theater, were like, chill, Evan. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. You're like, it, it really is, though. <laughs> Did we watch the same movie? Yeah. <laughs> they were riding in barrels. Legolas was surfing. This is yeah. so dumb. Legolas was surfing. But you know what? I, know, I don't know how we got to The Hobbit from Star Wars, but I will say those movies are not garbage. Yeah, I would say they're similar. They're on a similar level to the new Star Wars compared to the old ones. I would agree, yeah. Yeah. And I don't mind the new Star Wars that much. Yeah, they're all right. I like the one where everyone dies at the end. That one's actually really good. And not because everyone dies at the end, but... Rogue One. Rogue One, yeah, that one's pretty good. I feel like Rogue One kind of... Everybody was like, oh, huh, that was really good. Yeah. And then they made another <laughs> bad one. The bar was so low. <laughs> right. <laughs> they made another bad one, and everyone was like, oh, okay, yeah, that was just ah, a... <laughs> back, back to the dumpster fire. I'm kind of curious about... This particular Star Wars book that we're talking about, though, because the dynamic between Leia and Han Solo is always so much fun. And I wonder mm -hmm. if Beth Revis like, did a good job writing all that. Yeah. Uh, what have you been up to this week? What have you been doing? Well, it has been a busy week, but I had this long project at work that was just kind of like humdrum. Like it was enough focus that I couldn't unfortunately do like a fantasy novel or any story based thing because it would be too distracting. But I was able to listen to an entire book on tape while working on um, this data project that I was collating and writing Excel Funness. This book was really interesting. It was called Predictably Irrational. And it was kind of about how your brain works and how they, there are very irrational things that lead to the decisions that we make. Um, and it goes over all these like triggers, like um, like relativity, you know, like we are going to make decisions based off of not how it will we'll attribute value to something, not whether that thing is actually valuable, but how relatively good or bad it is, valuable it is to the things that it can easily compare it to. And I think it's very valuable to be aware of the things, the little tricks that our brain is playing on us. Yeah. Um, 
as a lot of these things are done in marketing. So like an internet company will have two packages that they sell, right? The thing that you want, which is like a cheaper one, and then a chip package that you don't really want that is about the same amount for them. And then if they just offer you those two things, you're always going to pick like the internet package as opposed to the print package or something. But if they add a third option, that's a bundle package. So we've got package number one, which you actually want their internet. Then we've got package number two, which is the print. And then we've got package number three, which is the print and the internet. If they can make the print one and the package one the same price, even though it's higher than the one that you actually want, which is just the internet, you'll almost always pick the package deal. Oh. 50 bucks for the internet, then a hundred bucks for the print, and then a hundred bucks for the print and the internet. And you'll be like, well, I'll just take the hundred bucks for the print and the internet because that's the best deal, even though you don't even want the print. (laughs) Is that kind of like when there's like a pair of shoes that's $60 and then they mark it down to 40? You buy it because it's on sale, but it was always being sold at 40. They just wrote 60 and crossed off the 60. Right. I always wonder about that. They'll be like, okay, we're going to do a sale, guys. So the first thing to do on the sale before we discount everything is raise our prices by 20%. And now we'll have a 20% off store-wide deal. Bring it back down to the regular price. (laughs) What have you been doing this week in the world of fantasy, Evan? Uh, I finished that book, Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Caesar. It was cool. This was the slasher horror movie. Yeah. It was pretty gruesome, and it became like a whole different thing towards the very, very end that I thought it was going to be. It was a good time. And I'm also reading, I'm about to finish The the Last Wish by Andres Chapowski. How's that? It's awesome. I don't know why, but I thought it wasn't going to be good. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just like get an idea in my head and I'm like, lame name. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And like, I got this idea in my head that it just was, it was going to be corny and dumb. And honestly, it's a really excellent fantasy book. There's that really cool kind of like through line. There's like a consistent story being told with short stories around it. Yes. So it's like the Geralt is kind of like at that monastery or something with a bunch of acolytes there. So I didn't know that was part of it. And that's really neat. And I mean, I didn't know that The Last Wish was literally the TV show. Yeah. (laughs) Like the first season. It's basically the first season of the show. Mm -hmm. And I I had no idea that that was... There's going to be so many hardcore Witcher fans who were like, it was so different. I mean, (laughs) what's funny though is like, I guess. I mean, like, it's pretty similar. similar, Like, it's pretty similar. I mean, there's some stuff that's changed. You know what I did notice, though? Geralt in the books is way cooler than... Oh. Way cooler than in the show or the game. And he's very cool. And I'm using the word cool for a reason, and I'll explain. He's so shrewd in the books. Like, he's very careful with stuff. He's very careful with his words. He's calculating. Most of the time. Sometimes, like, when those elves have him and he's just like, just get it over with. Just fucking kill me. Like, you know, (laughs) that's pretty. It's like, geez, Geralt, like, you could probably get out of this. (laughs) But even then, I think he's trying to get inside their heads. Right. Yeah. Um, But I I do like. uh, So now I've, I've seen the three iterations of Geralt. There's book Geralt, game Geralt, and show Geralt. And I am way on team book Geralt. I'm listening to the audiobook and the narrator pronounces dandelion dandelion. What? Which now I'm kind of wondering like have we all been saying it incorrectly? Is it dandelion? Or is he just trying to put his fancy pants on? I don't know. Dandelion. <laughs> but it is really good and I'm I am intending on reading all of them, but I think it, it's going to be like a it's going to be a thing where 
I'm not going to read them all in any kind of rapid succession at all. You're just going to have to hit it when you have time. Yeah, like I'll read Sword of Destiny like next month or something, and then I'll read Blood of Elves. And I'm just, it's like my back, back, back burner series that I'll just kind of like come back to when I feel like it. Because I'm so familiar with the world Mm -hmm. from the show and the games and stuff that like, I feel like I could kind of dip in and out of it. Totally. Especially on the short stories. Absolutely. But I had a really awesome, I'm like just about finished with it. And I had a really excellent time with it. It's a great book. I've heard some people complain a little bit that like it's not as good because it's translated, but I didn't really honestly I didn't even know that it wasn't originally written in English until after I read the book. So maybe I wasn't looking for it, but I didn't have any problems with it. I think if I didn't know he was a Polish author on reading it, I probably would have wondered hmm. um, just because some of the you call me down, Evan. No, not not at all. But like some of the uh, some of the sentence structure and stuff is just like now and then you're just kind of reading along and it's just kind of like, oh, that's a strange choice of words there. And like, but I mean, Polish is a very different language from English. So I have a feeling translating from Polish to English would be uh, a feat. It's interesting to hear your take on things because almost always my criticism about books has to do with like story and you're such an author and you see things in, in some ways I'm like almost sad when you tell me things like about certain books that we'll be reading together and you'll be like, wow, this author does this a lot and I would have never noticed that. <laughs> and now that you've said it, oh boy, <laughs> I noticed it so often. Like the amount of grimaces and Lycanius. Oh my gosh, yes. But I will say... And this isn't a, another Lycanius podcast by any means, but I did notice that the writing in The Light of All That Falls, which is book three, is it's a lot better than books it one is. and two. And the writing was never terrible or anything. It's, it's never, it was never bad, but like it flows like so much better. Mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe after you've written two doorstop or fantasy books, huge you, tomes. You know? But uh, I'm also reading Lost Boy by Christina Henry. And that is a pretty dark retelling of Peter Pan and Captain Hook. It's all from Captain Ooh. Hook's perspective. It's like Captain Hook before he became Captain Hook. He's got both his hands. Hmm. Is he a good guy? He's one of the Lost Boys. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's really good. I mean, it's it's a little, it's pretty brooding. Hmm. It's kind of funny, though, because it, it paints Peter Pan as just like the most narcissistic ass. Which, I mean, it's interesting because the island does let the boys age, but it seems like it only lets them, it, uh, it lets them age depending on how much they want to grow up. Which is really interesting. I like that a lot, but it's a cool book. And I'm also, I'm still reading Sapiens and, you know, Light of All That. I'm reading a bunch of stuff right now. You coined me into uh, that short story over, because we were talking about caving and you were like, I've got something for you. Did you read that? I haven't finished it yet. I have not finished it, but I still have it open on my browser window. And I was going to last night, but I was just like, I had like read some other online stuff and it was like a little darker and I had kind of had enough dark stuff. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to like go to, I think this story is going to take a very dark turn very quickly. And I was just like, not right before I go to sleep. So I read some Calvin and Hobbes and called it. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. It was very good. For all our fans listening, there is a story online called Ted the Caver, and it's like a creepypasta. Go yeah. read that if you're looking for something weird. Yeah, and it ends like halfway through, but there's more to it. Like the, the original link will only take you halfway through it, and then just like do some looking and you'll find the rest of it. It's wild. It's one of my favorite things I've ever read on the internet, for sure. It's kind of real, but it's kind of not. Like, I don't even know what to think of it, dude. It's it's awesome. It's like a, it's like a written Blair Witch Project in a cave. Yeah. Uh, it's it's horrific. Anyway, are you playing any uh, video games this week? 
am I playing any video games this week? <laughs> I mean, on Thursday night at 9 p.m. Pacific time, I'm going to disappear off the face of this oh, world, right. and I'm going to dive in to Elden Ring. I should have remembered that, actually. I have it literally on my phone. Oh, boy. <laughs> like, Evan will be gone from my life. This will be the first time in a month that you'll just be gone. for. I'm turning my phone off. I am so excited for this game. For anybody that doesn't know, uh, Elden Ring is a game by a company from Japan called From Software, and they do all the Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro games. Those are my favorite video games. And for this particular game, George R.R. R. Martin helped with the story. Ooh. So it's like someone dug into my brain and was like, what would be the perfect video game for Evan? And it's apparently this. And I, I, I already pre-ordered it, and I never pre-order games. The last game I pre-ordered was Halo 3 in 2007. And that was before you could buy games online. Like, I had to get the physical copies. So you had to go stand in line and stuff? Right. I had to do all of that for Halo 3 in 2007. And I haven't done it in 14 years. <laughs> 15 wow. years. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, Elden Ring is a very big deal for me. Uh, I will try to put out as much content as I can this week to make up for it, but <laughs> no one's going to be hearing from me for a couple <laughs> days. And I don't really ever do this with games. Like I haven't, I think when Breath of the Wild came out, um, I took like a couple days off work so I could play it. That game was so incredible. It's really, really worth it's it. But this so is like, good. I think this is like Dark Souls Breath of the Wild. So I'm really excited yeah. about that. Do you have a fictional fun fact of the week for me? I do indeed. And I dove pretty deep on this. So if I'm getting too deep, like with my history here, just like tell me to stop. Because okay. I just <laughs> I just got really interested. I was like, what is the first fantasy novel that ever came out? Now, no, let me let me establish some terms here. I'm going to go okay. with the first modern fantasy. Novel. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah. Do you want to know the three things that separate modern fantasy from not modern fantasy absolutely excellent uh, so the first one is the modern genre fantasy postulates a different reality so like a fantasy world separated from ours or like a hidden fantasy side of our own world the second difference is that the supernatural in fantasy is by design fictitious in traditional tales the degree to which the author considered the supernatural to be real can span the spectrum from legends taken as reality to myths understood as describing in understandable terms more complicated reality. And then the third difference would be the fantastic worlds of modern fantasy are created by an author or group of authors, often using traditional elements, but usually in a novel arrangement and with an individual interpretation. Okay, so the first modern fantasy novel is attributed to George MacDonald, a Scottish writer, and it's Fantastes, I think I'm saying that right, spelled P-H-A-N-T-A-S-T-E-S, -E written in 1858, though it didn't get really popularized to like seven, 1870. Now, there's going to be a lot of people who are probably like major fantasy history buffs because there's a full rage, full battle raging online as to what is the first fantasy novel this one i went with the main the most mainstream answer because obviously we have writers um but i mean you even have uh john ruskin who wrote the king of the golden river in 1841 but that's attributed yeah. as a fairy tale and you have hans christian anderson 1837 right. wrote emperor's new clothes but that's more of a um a satirical political commentary not necessarily a modern fantasy novel i feel and... like depending on who you talk to 
in what oh, circles, yeah. right? It's like the the line between fairy tale and fantasy novel is very muddy. Oh yeah, I found like five different answers to this question and had to go with the one that I found the most. I think George MacDonald would probably I've I've seen that answer before. I think that mm-hmm. would count for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was really interesting going down like the world and having people define their terms and listening to both sides of the debate as to what's a fairy tale, what's modern fan. It was very, very interesting. Because you could go as far back as the Epic of Gilgamesh. Oh, yeah. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis both were inspired a lot by MacDonald. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. In fact, C.S. Lewis wrote uh, concerning his first reading of Fantastis. At age 16, he read it and he said, that night, my imagination was in a certain sense baptized the rest of me not unnaturally took longer i had not the faintest notion what i had let myself in for by buying fantastis i think that's a pretty awesome place to wrap it up i agree thank you all so much for joining us on your commute or if you're just hanging out at home you got the day off or you don't even work that's all you thank you so much for being here we really really appreciate it if you'd like to support book reviews kill you can find the link to our patreon in the description below as well as the link to our discord and we would love it if you hopped on there and said hello hope you all have an awesome rest of your day and of course a great rest of your week bye everybody